The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good day to you all. It is Wednesday. It's Fantasy NBA Today. This is a hoop ball presentation, and I am your host, Dan Bespris. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, for dropping those reviews. It is much appreciated. I cannot believe even still how quickly you've responded to my call. So I'll do it again here at the front end of this show. First, follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And if you love the podcast, if you've been enjoying it even, please drop a five-star review on whatever service platform you're using to listen to it, and I will remain forever grateful. The other thing here at the front end is that I do want to give a uh, slightly more intense reminder that my good friends Adam King and Alan Soroki and myself, we are putting together a pregame free show. This is on YouTube. So this is stuff where, listen, I know you're listening to this podcast and we do a, a, a day of game preview But a lot of the stuff we talk about on this show is before different pieces of news break. And so this show, and plus you also get other people's opinions on it, which is frankly important as opposed to just my own. Uh, The three of us are putting together a What to Watch For show. It's daily right now, Monday through Friday, on YouTube. I know not that it's been the, you know, the forgotten child here over at Hoop Ball. But the Hoop Ball YouTube page now, we're going to put some TLC into that bad boy And that show is the first big piece of that puzzle. So please do navigate over to the HoopBall YouTube page. I believe it's uh, youtube.com slash C slash HoopBall. So that's like youtube.com slash C as in channel slash HoopBall. And then you can see all the stuff that comes out. Some of these podcasts are actually sort of simulcast over there, but not with any video. These are actual video shows. And there's one coming up today at 3 p.m., Pacific time. That'll be Alan looking at the upcoming card. So please do check that out. Um, Every single person that clicks a like button on those videos, that makes it easier for other people to find them. So please, 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 that's my request of the day. Go check out our YouTube page. We're trying to put a little love into that bad boy. And the What to Watch for pregame fantasy basketball show is the first piece of that puzzle. Let's do a recap of Tuesday. Twas a seven-game card, bigger than usual on a Tuesday night, so we'll take our time moving through it and make sure we cover everything of any kind of import. Brooklyn lost in Detroit. Pistons came home off their 0-4 road trip where they were generally competitive, at least the last two or three games of it, and whipped a Nets team that didn't have Kevin Durant. Nets still shot 50%. Detroit shot 56% in a game that really the pace wasn't that crazy. But everybody overperformed. You know, I had the Pistons, based on the pace of this game, it should have been about 110 to 110. Uh, so that went over by about five or six possessions just because guys were hitting everything because nobody's guarding anyone. Mason Plumley is on a roll. He's back into nine-cat standard league startable numbers lately, so that's good news. Jeremy Grant crushing it. DeLon Wright missed some free throws, but otherwise he's been an absolute revelation. Wayne Ellington came back from his... Uh, soreness injury, had eight points and a couple of three-pointers, but got outplayed in this one by Josh Jackson, who's been coming on of late. I don't like Jackson's fantasy game. I know uh, in this one he hit 50% of his shots and made his only free throw, 
but we've seen the Josh Jackson story enough to know where things kind of come apart for him. Uh, He's currently number 205 in 24 minutes. So even if you increase the minutes a little bit, yeah, steals, the blocks, those are great. He's really, he's very much a points league kind of guy because both percentages have been awful throughout his career. And turnovers, super high. He's at two and a half turnovers in 24 minutes. That actually goes up. So, yeah, I'm not big into the Josh Jackson thing. Again, more of a points league guy. So if that's what you're in, then cool. Go snap him up because he's a really good fit there. But in category leagues, we need Wayne Ellington to jump back in front. I think if you've got Wayne and you can bench him, I would do it to see how this thing shakes out because against most teams, they're going to need him to space the floor. In this one, it didn't matter because they just got everything they wanted whenever they wanted, and uh, the Nets didn't guard anyone. On the Brooklyn side, I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, I thought that Jeff Green sliding down to play power forward was actually a really bad thing for him because he's not going to get any rebounds. He's not going to get defensive stats guarding fours, especially like a Jeremy Grant who just crushed him. Uh, or Blake Griffin, depending on who was occupying that spot at the moment. And sure enough, it was a rough one for Green, who's kind of slid back into streamer-level value with DeAndre Jordan soaking up more of the center minutes. And uh, Noah Vonley, who's getting his conditioning, he might actually take some minutes from those guys. Vonley's not horrible at basketball. He's not quite the floor spacer that Green is. He's not quite the rebounder that Jordan is, but he's sort of a weird in-between with some toughness, that I think we'll see some playing time. You know, he's got a few years under his belt. He's got strength. So it's quite possible now that Vonley coming in, and if they ever get uh, Nick Claxton healthy again, he those guys might render Jordan and Green both droppable. So put those guys, they're really they're on the short leash right now, um, and I don't know that you can start either of them for the time being because I think KD's back for the next ballgame. Knicks were in Miami to take on the Heat. Almost snuck away with a victory. Good defense on both sides in this game. Led by the Knicks tree, uh, tandem of centers, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel. Mitchell went 29 minutes, Nerlens went 19. They both actually had good nine-category fantasy lines by combining for eight points. This is the magic of fantasy basketball. You don't need to score to be fantasy relevant. Mitchell Robinson had seven rebounds, three steals, and a block. That'll get it done. Two assists also. And Derlin's Noel, who almost had the same line. Uh, they were really close, just a flip-flop of defensive stats. He had six points, seven rebounds, three steals, one block, instead of the other way around. The only difference really was that Nerlens had two turnovers. Robinson had one. Both of those guys are fantasy values right now. They both belong on fantasy teams. I want to see Mitchell Robinson uh, dunking a little bit more, but this was a tough one. You know, Bam Adebayo is not going to give up too much easy stuff in the key. Also, big note on this game. Derek Rose made his Knicks debut, played 20 minutes. They didn't want to really overdo it. And honestly, he looked great. Hit a couple of three-pointers, which I don't think you can count on every night. Got a steal and a block, which you definitely can't count on every night. 14 points, three assists, made his free throws, good field goal percent for a guard. That's the stuff that you can count on with Rose. And I think his minutes trend up as we move along. They will come at the expense of the other Knicks point guards. Although it didn't really happen in this one, he largely played shooting guard in this game. R.J. Barrett was the dude who lost playing time. Alfred Payton had 26 and a half minutes. Emmanuel quickly had 21 and a half. That's exactly 48 point guard minutes between those two guys. I'm okay with a quickly drop. 
I mean, Peyton's been dropped for weeks. Even in points leagues, he hasn't been that good lately, but he's certainly closer there. Quickly is still a guy that you're looking at, you're like, well, maybe he flip-flops. But here's the thing. One of the things we were hoping for was a quickly Peyton flip where Emmanuel was starting and Peyton was coming off the bench. I think that actually is slightly more likely with Derrick Rose around, and I'll, I'll explain why. But what it doesn't help is that there really aren't any other guard minutes where, you know, Peyton's big enough to play shooting guard if they actually if they ultimately wanted to play him next to quickly at any point. But now those two guys are 100% relegated to the point guard 48 minutes, which makes that timeshare really hard to suffer through. And even if they switched... What does that get you? I think if they switched quickly, would probably would almost definitely be a guy you'd want to roster. But he does have these issues with his game. He scores pretty quickly. He can get you a few assists. He'll hit a three ball. But he doesn't get many steals or blocks. Free throw percent is good. Field goal percent is not. So there's these limitations now. And this move, by the way, for New York, that's a win-now move, getting Derrick Rose. This is not a, we want to look at the future, we want to play the young guys. It's going to be... We're going to play the guy every night on that night who gives us the best opportunity to win a ball game. So Peyton's a drop. Quickly's probably a drop, unfortunately. I don't think I can sit on him as long as it might take for him to get to value. And it might not be till next year, frankly. And then you look at the other spots on the floor, and the Knicks are basically too deep at all of them. Reggie Bullock and Alec Burks are pretty much splitting the small forward minutes right now. R.J. Barrett and Derrick Rose pretty much split the shooting guard minutes. Nerlens and Mitchell Robinson pretty much split the center minutes. And then the only other stuff going on was Julius Randle. He split the power forward minutes with Obi Toppin. I mean, they were straight 10 deep with two guys at every roster spot. There was no fluidity last night in the, the way the Knicks deployed their... I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was within like 15 seconds, less than a minute of fluidity among these guys on the floor. And if Derrick Rose does trend up towards 24 minutes, which I think is probably the target for him, he'll play kind of the the middle 12 in the first half, and then in the second half they might have him go like six minutes, uh, maybe the final six minutes of both the third and the fourth quarter or something like that. I think it'll be slightly different rotations there. Someone's going to get bumped. My guess is that Alfred Payton... Is and Emmanuel Quickly, those guys probably don't end up closing every game as Derrick Rose gets his wind back and kind of learns the way that the Knicks want to run their their first team offense. That would be my guess. I don't think that R.J. Barrett's going to be the guy that loses out every night the way he kind of was yesterday. And so if they're closing, maybe maybe they move bodies around too. By the way, maybe R.J. Barrett plays maybe uh, you know the beginning of the fourth quarter, or maybe he skips the beginning of the fourth quarter so he comes back in with Derrick Rose. Either way, that hurts the other point guards. And it also hurts a guy like an Alec Burks, who we were counting on to be able to just squeeze in a few shooting guard minutes, and now if he's really all small forward, aside from a few seconds here and there, that makes it tougher for him to hold on to value. Although admittedly, in 26-ish minutes of ball game, he can get to the top 100. He's going to be a little bit more fringy, though, than it looked like to start the year. I've been told I need to repeat names more often on this podcast, so let's quick recap the Knicks, because that is kind of the big story from last night, I thought, the Derrick Rose thing. Rose, by the way, is a must-add player. He's When he's on the floor, he gets big usage, and Tibbs is going to use him. 
Nerlens Noel is a must-add player. Seven boards and four defensive stats gets it done by itself, but if he's doing it on 60-plus percent field goal shooting, that's an added delicious bonus. Alec Burks is a hold for me. Uh, Julius Randle, yeah, obviously he's on fantasy roster, but then the other guys are all on the wrong side of the cut line. Bullock, Peyton, Quickly, Toppin, Barrett, those guys are all on the wrong side in category leagues, and you can make an argument for Peyton and Barrett in points leagues. On the Heat side, Jimmy Butler played better, as we expected, and then the the peripheral guys played worse, which is exactly how we handicapped this game. Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, those guys shot around 40% instead of 55%. They got another big game out of Kelly Olynyk, who I've been preaching on this podcast for who knows how long. He's now right on the edge of the top 100, thanks to his recent strong play. In fact, Basketball Monster has him at exactly 100. Yahoo has him at 98 we told you as that field goal percent trended back towards 45, he'd move inside the top 100 again. Guess what? It's at 44.3 on the year, and he's inside the top 100. Kelly Olynyk must add, must start as of, I mean, he was a must-add guy two weeks ago or even a month and a half ago, and uh, now he's just kind of coming into it with a warmer stretch because he's not being relied upon as much as he was before. Honestly, I'm I'm floored that I don't have him in more places. I got too impatient when the Heat were tired and I had to go a different direction. Duncan Robinson, meanwhile, has just completely vanished. He's outside the top 150 right now, uh, not doing the things that he did last year, namely not shooting the ball as well. He's at 42.5% from the field. His value was tied up with the fact that he got you almost four three-pointers a game on okay field goal percent. He was sort of a poor man's Joe Harris, and now he's just like... Eric Gordon from when he didn't have a ton of usage. So not great there. I'm going to hold on Robinson. I'm hoping he can bounce back. I mean, an 0 for 7 game is uh, bad, and he still played 33 minutes, so they still want him to be part of their stuff. But uh, this has not been a good year for Duncan, and uh, sticking with it is going to be a tall order. Houston got blown out in New Orleans. Rockets have faded after the initial high of moving on from James Harden, you can always feel it when you get into the dog days of a season and the emotional stuff starts to weigh you down. But one note from this ballgame, Daniel House played 34 minutes off the bench and was very much fantasy relevant in this one, and I still hold out hope that he's the wing guy that can actually clear the hurdle, but I do need to see Houston play in a non-back-to-back. So if you're out there and and you're in a ridiculously competitive league. You can probably go pick up house kind of before anything else happens here. If you're in most leagues, you can probably give him a little bit longer just to see what happens. Was nice to see him get three more steals last night. That's a number that we need to see trend up. Uh, And I probably, I mean, the upside here is probably top 100. So it's not like it's going to be a significant game changer for your fantasy roster regardless On the New Orleans side, Josh Hart played an inexplicable 40 minutes last night. I just wanted to let him run up numbers. He had 20 and 17, which in one ballgame moved Hart uh, on the season now all the way up to number 142 after uh, kind of piddling his way through. I I still don't think that he's a guy you absolutely must have going forward. It doesn't feel necessary. And then other stuff was blowout related. Willie Hernan Gomez had a double-double. He is the backup center right now. But in general, he's going to be closer to 16, 17 minutes and not 25. So, uh, no, you don't need to add him outside of pretty deep leagues. 
The Warriors got their revenge over San Antonio, another blowout ball game. Golden State opening it up uh, later in this one. So a few guys actually got relatively close to normal starters minutes. Draymond Green, another 11-assist ball game. The center, Dre, does seem to suit him, and it certainly helps the team from an offensive standpoint, just getting Steph the ball in better spots. I don't think it's a coincidence that he's been heating up since the Warriors have gone to these smaller looks, and they're able to kind of do enough defensively to be not great, but also not horrendous. Spurs looked old, played old in this ballgame. There really wasn't anyone on San Antonio who survived the 91-point output slash onslaught. Keldon Johnson kind of got the closest of the bunch, 13-6-6. He's been petering out a little bit. That's a, a pretty good sign. He had a block even if the field goal percent was down. DeMar DeRozan... Looked tired. Jakob Pertl got into foul trouble early, and then otherwise he just didn't really do much either. But he's a great streamer as long as LaMarcus Aldridge is out. Uh, Spurs on back-to-back. Kind of a tough spot right now. They really haven't looked good in potential fatigue situations. Orlando, you know, give them credit. They actually kept this thing within striking distance, but really never quite got over the hump. They were down about 10 points pretty much the entire ball game. Got 27-15 and 15 out of Vooch and needed more. Which, unfortunately, you know, it wasn't really his fault. I have serious beef with the way the Magic went about their business in this ballgame. Now, give credit to Terrence Ross. He finally got some shots to go down, and that was good. Cole Anthony hurt his shoulder partway through this game, and he wasn't unable to continue. He played 14 minutes. Al Camino made his uh, much-ballyhooed return, played five minutes, and will probably, I don't know, is going to rest? Who knows? He's, he's a non-factor. Point of it all is, with no Cole Anthony, the Magic were down to Frank Mason the third, as now their third-string point guard. Jordan Bone, I guess, would have been the third-string guy. He's out. Michael Carter-Williams is out. I mean, Frank Mason, you could argue he's the fifth-string point guard on this team. No, I'm not picking him up. It's just there's not enough. I'm not... I don't know. I mean, like, can you really make a case for picking up a James Ennis or something like like that right now. I know he had a pretty good ball game here, but the Magic can't break 100 against Portland. You're in a real bad way. But here's my b- real beef with the Magic. Yeah, they got a lot out of Vooch. He took 21 shots. He should have taken 30. Like, the fact that anyone else not named Terrence Ross got more than nine shots was a travesty. Vooch should have taken almost every shot. And if he wasn't taking the shot, the ball needed to go through him. I saw multiple possessions where Vooch touched it, but it was outside the three-point line. It was you know, a handoff where he was the handoff and the screen setter, the dribble handoff, all that kind of stuff. And you're, you're doing that with guys that can't shoot. Like, why are you running these guys off of screens like that? It's not going to get you anything. The, the Magic had this brief stretch partway through the third quarter, I think it was, or maybe early fourth, where they got the ball to Vooch in the post. He got himself an easy look. He was being guarded by Rob Covington at that point, who is a great defender, but Vooch has him by five, six inches in height. And the other time, they brought a double, and he fired, fired into the corner for a three-pointer. I forget who knocked that. I might have been, that might have been James Ennis on that three ball. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Point was, he got himself a three-footer. He got his teammate an open three-pointer. Vooch in the post should have been the move every single damn time down the floor. Run a quick pick and roll. See if you can get a switch. If you can, 
He can get that post position even deeper. That forces a double team. If it doesn't, screw it. Just let him go to work on Ennis Cantor. I don't care. Magic are not using their limited resources. Well, I get it. Like, they're in a really tough spot right now because they're down everybody, and they didn't even make their free throws. Or Actually, would have covered if they had made their free throws in this game. But use the pieces you've got left. I was proud to see Terrence Ross to finally, Terrence finally had a better ball game. They, they just, they need someone to get him the ball in the right spots. Like, it's, it's a struggle right now. On the Portland side, Carmelo Anthony had himself a nice ball game, but I don't think you can trust it on a night-to-night basis. Rob Covington just continues to chug along here. Uh, one steal, two blocks, a three-pointer. He had 11 rebounds in this ball game, so that was cool. Did not expect that to happen, uh, but we'll take it. And with his continued improvements, he's now at number 85 in nine category leagues. Every day, he just moves up five slots. Gary Trent, 15-4-6. He took a lot of shots to get there, but he is the safe streamer on that Portland side. The safe streamer is a terrible name for a superhero. Philly beat Sacramento 119-111. They were able to open up late. Kings were actually ahead I think 86-84, if I'm not mistaken. So they were right in this thing almost the whole way through. Uh, But as they've done a lot lately, Philly clamped down late. And Seth Curry woke up. So my three days of yelling about Seth Curry by lows seem to have run out of time. I'm a little bit surprised here. I thought, you know, with the way he was playing, we had been starting to hear about how he needed to get his wind back. We didn't know how long it was going to take. This, this could be the start of a furious run. It could also just be playing the Kings, who, even in their better defensive games lately, are still not the best. Darren Fox, 34 and 10, took 30 shots. That's what Vooch should have been doing. Kings had 99 field goal attempts in this game. That's crazy. Pace of this game was, was super high. Tyrese Halliburton was great again. Buddy Heald has warmed up here lately, although we get 20 shots to get there. Rashawn Holmes got... Joel Embiid right out of this ballgame, and uh, Hassan Whiteside was a non-factor despite Joel Embiid being on the opposite side. Kings are pretty predictable these days. And Boston and Utah, boy, the Jazz are really something. They were up about, well, they were basically up the line for the entire fourth quarter. Utah was up by about seven points the entire fourth quarter, and with two minutes left, I tweeted, one team's going to make three shots in a row, and that team's going to cover. And it was Donovan Mitchell who went nuts. Uh, Rudy, uh, Joe Ingles rather hit a three-pointer, and then Donovan Mitchell hit a pair of contested threes, and it was over at that point. Donovan, big ball game, filling in at point guard for Mike Conley. Joe Ingles sliding over to get the start. He had 24, and you guys know Ingles is a very solid stream. Anytime, uh, really anyone, wings, backcourt, whoever on the Jazz is out, he's the guy that makes that big leap forward. Royce O'Neal still hanging on. He's right at the tail end Number 103 in nine cat leagues. He's right on the edge of fantasy value in uh, very much a punt points kind of guy, but uh, that'll get the job done. Derek Favors was someone that I had kind of one half eye on to see if his minutes might trend up a little bit, but in this one, uh, a more hotly contested ball game, uh, they, they just needed to go bare back at the rim because when he went out of the ball game, Boston went on a run literally every single time, and so they, they kind of had no choice. Again, before we move on to the Wednesday uh, game previews, we got nine games tonight. I do want to once again ask everybody to please go check out the Hoopball YouTube page. That's the big push going on this week. I've decided. I've I've decreed. Figured it out on Wednesday. Good work, Dan. You're really way ahead of the schedule here. You Hoopball YouTube page. Make sure to check out our pregame what to watch for coverage 
coming every day from Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter, Alan Soroki at Alan Soroki, and Adam King at Adam King 91 on Twitter. That's the push. That's the push. Go do it. Also, got to give a shout out to our sponsor, mybookie.ag. Open up an account with promo code HOOPBALL and start betting with us. I'm upset. I went two and two in my bets last night, but luckily we have Troy. T-R-O-Y. They reminisce over you. Troy with another 2-0 evening. He's now up over 18 units in NBA play this year at 50-38 and 38 overall. Devin Ellington went 2-0 in his NBA plays yesterday as well. He's now up 9.4 units in the NBA. You get those guys and more with a hoop ball wager pass. $9.99 a month over at hoop-ball.com. 33 cents a day. We are also expanding. We will be including right now we're covering NBA and college hoops at the moment. We'll be adding golf hockey baseball coming up we obviously do football when that loops back around so we'll be covering everything we got soccer too mma the whole deal all under one umbrella you might have as many as nine ten analysts all for 33 cents a day and then take that info run it over to my bookie with that promo code hoopball open up an account make a deposit hit me up on twitter for your prize and start winning with us again mybookie.ag is the website promo code hoopball Hoop-ball.com is our website. Get the wager pass over there. And go check out the dang YouTube page because, again, that's the big push going on this week. Tonight, Toronto is in Washington. The Wizards will presumably have Russell Westbrook, so I don't know how you possibly bet on them. They have been hideous with Russ, although I do think the world is catching on that Westbrook has been a problem, and I wonder if it's starting to become... Uh, baked into the line in a way that it wasn't before. I'll probably be watching this ball game, kind of sitting it out and getting a feel for it. Uh, sounds like Kyle Lowry's going to play after back spasms knocked him out of the last one, but we will wait and see there. OG Ananobi remains questionable for Toronto. Pacers, Nets. This is another situation where I do think the line is finally starting to catch up to what we've all been watching for a while, which is that the Nets aren't that good yet. Yet, they are, they badly need a center because Jeff Green isn't the answer defensively. DeAndre Jordan isn't the answer defense or offense. Maybe Noah Vonley plays his way into a bigger role there. I don't know how they could run him out there for big minutes, but at least he can go defend someone on the perimeter. Doesn't have his conditioning yet, as you saw, play just a few minutes, but maybe he ends up being part of the solution. In any event, um... You know, I, I forgot to mention the fantasy stuff on Raptors-Wizards. Nothing really on the Raptors' side. Chris Boucher's been trending up. Figure he'll see some decent time in this one against a Wizards team that likes to play fast. Washington side. Let's see if Davis Bertans is back in the starting lineup again with Russ back. That would be, I think, uh, a good thing. You can see the total trending up in that ball game. so seemingly they think they're getting into a track meet. Pacers-Nets, uh, fantasy-wise, Nets side, you're sort of watching again, uh, They've got this game and then KD back for the weekend. So are we going to get DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green running big minutes again? Wasn't, I mean, it didn't, it didn't work. And I think you're starting to see people betting against Brooklyn now in a way that they really didn't right when that trade went down. So you're getting a lot of Pacers action more than you'd expect. I know the Nets are still kind of more public team among them, but again, this is basically a pick them. Those are those games where I tend to avoid the Nets because they can outshoot a team and win by one or two possessions. They just can't beat teams by more than four or five points right now, unless the other team just totally doesn't show up. 
Hawks and Mavericks. Hawks are catching four on the road in Dallas. This is uh, something of a rematch. These two teams played about a week, week and a half ago, if I'm not mistaken. Dallas won that ball game with a good game plan. They trapped Trey Young, got the ball out of his hands, and forced the other Mavericks guys to beat them, which didn't really, or the other uh, Hawks guys to beat them. Excuse me, this is what I get while typing the word Dallas Mavericks into a Google search while talking. Uh, I'm going to look up the day of that game. It was exactly one week ago. Okay, so it was exactly one week ago. Mavs beat the Hawks on the road 122-116. My guess here is that Atlanta has something up their sleeve to deal with that to deal with that particular attack mode because it's not going to be the last time that the Hawks see it. Get the ball out of Trey's hands. Make someone else beat him. John Collins, Kevin Herter, they almost did it. They shot 50% but had 16 turnovers, and I think those traps had something to do with it. Otherwise, they were pretty good. Like, they got good looks out of it. Collins, uh, 35 points on only 21 shots. Herter, Capella, all of those guys played well. It was really only Trey that got muted by what Dallas was doing on defense. Meanwhile, over on the Mavericks side, Luka was pretty good in that ball game by his account. He had all 10 of his free throws. That was a big deal. Kristaps was pretty good. Richardson was not very good. Tim Hardaway Jr. had one of his catch-fire games. So a lot of things could sort of level off. And if Atlanta has any kind of game plan here, that would be good for them. Gallinari's a guy that I'm looking at. He's now finally ramped up. He looks like he's ready to be a fantasy value again. So trot him out there and enjoy all the free throw shooting. Herter and Collins, you know, again, if, if, if the Mavs run that same defense, the Hawks' attack method might mean big games for Collins and Herter again, and maybe Gallo. Probably less so for Capella because he does feed off of Trey getting in, creating space. The other guy's not quite as proficient at that stuff. On the Mavericks side, by the way, uh, Richardson seems to be getting himself up and over the hump, but that's kind of the one thing to watch for on the uh, the Dallas side of the ledger. Clippers are in Minnesota. Wolves back home after, I think they've covered five games in a row now. Wolves have been a covering machine. We don't know who's in. D'Angelo Russell questionable right now. Paul George out for the Clippers. They're laying a big number down Paul George. Pat Beverly might be back on their two-game road trip. Can't imagine the Clips are all that thrilled about their little losing kick right now, probably leaving this one alone from a betting standpoint. Watching Ivica Zubats, his minutes have been trending up consistently. On the Wolves side, Anthony Edwards is a guy you're watching. Ricky Rubio is a guy you're watching, especially if D'Angelo Russell is out. If he ever... T- I mean, I was it yesterday or the day before we talked about Rubio? I don't remember which show it was. I have said many times on this podcast this season that Ricky Rubio does not belong on fantasy teams right now. He just doesn't. He's number 225. But what I'll also say again this week is he's he remains a guy that if he starts to show signs of life, he must be added immediately because there just aren't that many dudes out there who have the track record of Ricky Rubio. And if you're like, oh, he's an old fart, um... He's only 30, you know? It's not like he's... Maybe he's trending down off his peak a little bit, whatever that might have been. And yeah, he's not a super durable dude, so that makes him a lot tougher in head-to-head. But all you got to do is look at last year. He was at 13-9 and with the Phoenix Suns in 31 minutes of ballgame. 24 minutes this year, he's at 6-6. Six and six. 
So the assists have stuck. The rebounds have mostly stuck. But he's not shooting at all. He's completely, he's gone full passive mode. And even the last time he was in Minnesota, he only took eight and a half shots a game. And the year before that, he only took 7.7. But he was up at over 10 points in those games because he was getting to the free throw line a little bit. He was near two steals a game in those. He was near nine assists a game in those seasons. So it's still in there. But he just we need a couple more minutes. 24 isn't quite enough. But, you know, there are these little intermittent signs of life. He has eight steals over his last three ball games. He has 21 assists over his last three ball games. Still not shooting at all. And maybe you have to put him into a punt points bill. That might be the solution here with Ricky. Uh, but again, like, he's number 225 right now. Not that his shot is really going to come around per se, but 35% becomes 40. That would get it done. And then two more minutes per ball game means what? Can he get up to eight points if the shot starts falling? Can he get up to seven assists, 1.5, 1.6 steals? That pushes him towards the edge of the top 100, and anything, anything beyond that becomes gravy. What if Russell has to get shut down for a little while? So as much as I do not think Ricky Rubio belongs on fantasy rosters right now you almost have to get in front of it you almost have to stay ahead of the curve here just in case and I've done that in one spot and I'm not starting him there but you just you can't leave that if it starts to be a thing spent too much time previewing Clippers Wolves here Pelicans are in Chicago to take on the Bulls New Orleans been playing really well Uh, this is a very short number on the road it feels like a extremely trappy spot. Bulls have no front court. I just have no idea how Chicago wins this game. Who's going to guard Zion? Daniel Gafford? Good luck with that. Six fouls in 15 minutes almost for sure. Cristiano Felicio? I guess you can just keep throwing these guys at him. But it's going to be up to the Bulls' backcourt. They're going to have to score a lot to hang in there in this one. And I don't, I don't know that they can. Sometimes these numbers that look trappy aren't really trappy. Like the Sixers covered last night. Sometimes numbers just sort of are what they are. Like, the Pels might not... They're, they're a public-y team, but they went through a losing spell, and they became a tiny bit undervalued for a brief stretch here. Hornets catching four in Memphis. This is the rare underdog public side. You don't see that too often. You guys know my feel here. I, I don't have a feel at all for the Grizzlies. I don't have a clue what they do on a night-to-night basis, so I'm fantasy-wise, uh, we'll focus on that side. Oh, fantasy-wise, Pels and Bulls. It seems like Patrick Williams is the winner on the Chicago side with everybody injured, but we can keep monitoring that. And then with the Pels, you know, they've been in blowouts, but uh, they've been settling in a little bit here, so no real big stories there. Hornets have a couple of stories fantasy-wise. You're you're tracking Cody Zeller, see how that situation develops. Uh, How close is Devontae Graham? Can Malik Monk carve out a points league role for himself? Grizzlies... I just, I want DeAnthony Melton back so bad, and I know he's not yet, so uh, we, we just kind of have to wait because everybody else on that team that should be owned is, and everybody that shouldn't kind of isn't. It's already been ruled out, by the way. Melton's already out for this ballgame, as is Brandon Clark, so we're a couple bodies down on the Grizz. You'll see some streaming value there. Cavs, the offense-free Cavs, are catching 9.5 in Denver against the Nuggets. Nuggets aren't stopping anybody right now, but the Cavs have stopped themselves a few times. Um, Larry Nance out for long term here. They do really need Kevin Love back. In the meantime, it seems like they're going big. 
and maybe Torian Prince can get close to value in this interim bucket here. Nuggets side, I still want to see if anybody else can sustain value besides the main three dudes, but nothing really of note there. Thunder in L.A. Again, rematch with the Lakers. We'll see if Anthony Davis plays. Lakers and Thunder went to overtime, and the last one sounds like Shea is resting on this ball game, so that's unfortunate. Maladone's still out, which means Dort, Baisley, Horford... I mean, those guys might see an, uh, Diallo is going to have to do a lot. He'd be a pretty good one-game streamer here. I still don't trust some of his things. Like in Roto, he'll he'll obliterate some of your, particularly your field goal percent, and uh, and turnovers are pretty high for that dude because he gets to the line, which is a real shame. He made his free throws in those last couple of ball games, but overall he misses them heavily and he's going to be over-owned in category leagues because he's been putting up some pretty good popcorn numbers of late he's been an interesting stash kind of guy but he does he he's he fits the points league mold a bit more like a lot of guys on this thunder team because there's one big gaping hole in the percentages he doesn't three pointers but he'll get you enough popcorn stuff especially if everybody's out tonight he'll go huge you can pretty rely on that bucks at suns Milwaukee, just going from station to station lately, they have turned a little bit of a corner here. Milwaukee's starting to beat up on teams. They roughed up Denver. This will be a pretty good test for Phoenix. Um, based on the, the line being not gigantic, I'm thinking that probably means Chris Paul is expected to play in this game, but time will tell. Milwaukee's just been really good. Been really good. You know, NBA is a weird thing where a team might wake up on a given night, but lately the Suns have not been that great offensively. They've been better on defense. And I, I don't know if anybody can really slow down the Bucks. Suns are going to try. They'll try to get this thing into a half court. That's your only shot lately. And Milwaukee's just been steam training teams, and I don't think I'm getting in front of that. So pretty weird. Like, uh, you, you guys know I handicap games quite a bit. Uh, Fantasy-wise, not a whole lot. Bucks, Suns, you know, Frank, Frank Kaminsky's starting, but it seems like he's a placeholder until Dario Saric gets back. It, it, from, a fan, from a betting standpoint, this is one of those nights where there aren't a ton of motivational, emotional stuff to dig into, but you do have a lot of this kind of do-you-ride-the-hot-hand type of teams where... Uh, you know, are you are you riding what you've already seen with Russell Westbrook? Are you fading that? Are you riding a hot Pelicans team, a hot Bucks team? Do you ride a hot Hornets team? Does that mean that are, are you catching them early enough where the line still hasn't caught up to how well they're playing in this moment? Do the Wolves keep covering against middling and or slightly better teams? So there's a lot of does this continue? stuff going on tonight and those are really interesting to track I, I you know it's tough Vegas has their power rankings and they get adjusted nightly based on how teams are playing and how money is coming in but the the goal here for those of us that are making these picks and and trying to decipher whether it's hot hand uh, or hot team time is to know has the line caught up yet and if you ask me to to Lay it down for all of these. I would say the Pelicans, the line hasn't caught up yet. I think they're they're hotter than the line would suggest they are. So yeah, they're a public team, but they're hot right now. The Bucks, I don't know that the line is actually caught up to how hot they've been. They're beating numbers right now. The Wizards, it's starting to seem like maybe 
the line has adjusted to the Westbrook phenomenon, where they're not really giving him much credit for being back in the lineup. Maybe they're not. Maybe they need to get more points right now, and you're going to start to see, uh, or rather they, they were getting less, and now they're getting more, and maybe they start to cover even with Russ. What about the Wolves? Back off a long road trip getting 10.5? I don't know that that line is caught up at all for them. That's a ton of points to get at home. Now, admittedly, the Clippers are coming off a couple of losses, so they're going to be angry. But in general, I mean, that's that's a gigantic line. Wolves are undervalued right now. You just have to pick the right spot to jump in it. Weird cards these days. Weird cards. That's the, the theme du jour. Again, check out the HoopBall YouTube page. Yep, three reminders, one show. That's how we're doing it today. YouTube.com slash C slash HoopBall. Please do check it out. want you guys all watching this pregame show. It's so much fun. We're having a blast. It's 15 minutes. Just a quick hitter. What's coming up on the slate tonight? Uh, Allen's on deck. I think he might be jumping on with Adam today. You might get the rare two-man show, so that'd be pretty sweet. And then again, anytime you guys watch it, if you click that like button, if you're subscribing to the YouTube page, all of those things kind of create a snowballing effect, same way that the ratings and reviews do here on this podcast. Love you guys. You're all the best. Fantastic. Maybe the best listeners that anyone could ever dream of. You guys have done so many cool things for us. We want to just keep doing cool things for you. Uh, And the way we do that is, the way we do free stuff is by reach. We need reach. So that's where you guys have to help us in that regard. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great Wednesday. Back at you first thing Thursday morning. Another recap show coming up tomorrow. I am Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.